Ma'am, please don't interrupt me. Nah, You've done enough. Me You've done enough, which is nothing. You ain't give me nothing to do nothing with. Tell the truth. I run. Tell them that I couldn't find it, and that's why you didn't get nothing done. That's not true. That that is, the sex, the sex industry is give not like money. it used to be. I'll never be using you sex again. Industry, nothing. You gotta have something to have sex. With. I gave you a five hundred dollars down payment. And you did not, you did not render any services. You lied. You but I want my money before I leave here. Ma'am, I'm. You can call the police. I'm gonna expose you. Call those. I'm gonna expose. I, I can't be exposed. I'm gonna expose. This this video is for Every the authorities. This video is for the authorities. She comes to my house, which is down payment for sex, and did not pay. Sex entry is not like it used to be. It is Wednesday, January 16th, 2019. Yeah, the, the, the sex industry isn't really what it used to be. Just thought I'd open up with that. Um, let's see where we go from here. Because I got a lot of notes. Um, by the way, I'm kind of sober. So I don't know how this show is going to go. I had three cups of coffee. So, um, all right, let's, let's go. Um, oh yeah, here's something that happened to me this week. Maybe I should open up with, um, uh, I, uh, was at a gas station and well, the lots, I think I got propositioned by a dude at a gas station because uh, he uh, he uh, he rolled up on me asking for a dollar. You know how it goes. This is like it's broad daylight, by the way. And um, he, he asked me for a dollar or something. It's like, hey, can I get something? And I said, no, man, I don't have any paper money on me. I don't have anything like that. And he said, oh, come on, man. I said, no, I'm sorry. I don't have that. And then he said it real quietly so wouldn't anybody else care. But I, I think I heard him say, you can kiss me. And I was like, what? What, what did you just say? And they looked into my car and see that it was a little dirty because I keep my car dirty on purpose so I won't get jacked around here. And, and stuff like And so he just looked and he just started. He just walked away uh, bad mouth. Yeah, you know, clean your car with your dirty ass. And I'm like, dude, get the hell out of my face. You got, you got gold grills in your mouth and you begging me for money. What the hell's wrong with you? You got gold grills and you begging for money and trying to get dudes to kiss you outside this combination gas station subway sa sandwich place. So, yeah, there's a lot of people out here who don't have their priorities in check. But this is what you, this is what I've come to expect in Houston. Okay, all right, let's get back to the notes. Um. I guess I'll just start with Trump because we, we gotta because we're in what is it like date week three of uh, the shutdown for because his 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 crybaby ass wants a wall. Real quickly, Donald Trump reminds me of this dude I used to write for back like back in the day, like twenty twenty two years ago, and he one time he refused to pay me. Because, um, you know, because when you work at a publication 
and I'll get a lot of free stuff. And uh, they got uh, sent, uh, you know, some record companies sent some uh, CDs in the mail, and the music editor. Uh, he left because he didn't want to deal with this place anymore. So I, you know, when it came by, I started you know, picking them up. So, and then uh, one day he actually sadly, because I think, because I think I picked up uh, Snoop Dogg's last album for Death Row Records and uh, that Tupac Machiavelli album. And then, like, I believe he wanted those back because he, you know, he really wanted to get, listen to the, the Death Row stuff. And I'm like, you're the publisher of this publication. So therefore you should have money. I, I, he, I know for a fact that I brought in advertising, you know, motion picture advertising for that publication. So hence, I assume that you've gotten money from that, but you can't, your ass can't go to a uh, sound warehouse. Cause there's sound warehouse at, uh, those were open at the time and just get get the cds for yourself but then again this dude was very like he was actually um i distinctly remember he was uh i think going through a breakup or he was kicked out of his place because one day i went to the office and all his furniture was there and all his furniture like literally like his his like there was a hall and uh his his couch was in the middle of it and he couldn't get to the copier and all his liquor was in his <laughs> in his office so just like yeah he was going through a lot of stuff so i guess that's why he needed me to get the the cds that came to the office because he was broke apparently or whatever he was going through thought i'd bring up that story but that's what that's what trump got me thinking of because of the shutdown um yeah the well i believe yesterday or so um, the bipartisan problem solvers caucus met in the White House Situation Room with, with Trump and, and Vice President Pence and cabinet members to talk about border security and ending the partial government shutdown. Now it's 26th day. Wow, 26th day. Uh, but, uh, but whether the, this ac- activity results in uh, breakthrough in negotiations is unlikely. Uh, somebody said that uh, the White House did not invite Democratic leadership in the House and Senate. As of Wednesday afternoon, there are no meetings on the books. A spokesman for uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi confirmed instead they invited the problem solvers, a bipartisan group of House Democrats and Republicans who focus on issues including immigration uh, reform, stabilizing the Affordable Care Act and infrastructure. By the way, just I'd let you know on this, um, U.S. Coast Guard members this week became the first branch of the military in the country's history to go without pay because of a lapse in government appropriations. Uh, paychecks were supposed to go out Tuesday, but didn't because of the ongoing budget fight between Trump and congressional Democrats. Over the wall, the president wants to build all on the southern border with Mexico. So once again, uh, yeah, yeah. Colin Kaepernick is so wrong for uh, kneeling during national anthem and, and disrespecting the truth. But yeah, but this isn't, but you know, this Donald Trump is straight up not paying the military. So, so somehow he's not a person who's not disrespecting the military. And so even, even though this is like, He's, 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 he's really he's literally holding withholding money from the military. Just just thought I'd lay that bit of nonsense on you. Just just remind you who we have as a president. We got a sorry, sad little bitch ass dude 
for a president just who apparently just want people to eat unhealthy as evidenced by um, that pitiful display that happened on Monday when he um, bought a bunch of fast food for the uh, Clemson Tigers. Yeah, and... uh, Wait, wait, what the hell? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the national college football champions to the White House, he served them burgers, or as, of course, as uh, President Trump calls them, hamburgers, you saw the tweet he did, uh, pizza and fries, uh, and fish sandwiches and salads, there was, I'm, I'm pretty sure no damn salads there, from McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's alongside Domino's Pizza. Uh, for an event held in the 140-seat state dining room. And, uh, yeah, the uh, all that amounted to the equivalent of a combined $15.5 million in free advertising impressions by the stunt. So, And uh, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence took to Twitter on Tuesday to say that a quote attributed to him saying that the food was awesome and everything on social media uh, was not true. So, so yeah. And and I also got to the point where a lot of people, a lot of people from uh, Aisha Curry to Michael Stray and to Quavo to several restaurants, they want to give the Clemson Tigers an actual uh feast a, a very good meal uh for the uh, tigers once again we don't know whether or not the the tigers um if they really if they did enjoy it, it's fast food and they're young i guess they you know yeah, they but you know then again they they i'm assuming they eat mcdonald's all the time because they're college because they're college football players and you know they ain't getting paid a damn time uh so uh but uh but yeah, I mean, hey, maybe, you know, maybe they should just just ride this out. Like, yeah, just get full off these famous people offering to give them lobster and everything. Just Trump, uh, just Trump feels that uh, we all should eat. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't think of you know Wally when just when he Wally the movie Wally. You know, of course, when Wally went out to space and he went to the 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 big spaceship where just nothing but fat people in recliners with 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 the cankles and just I'm I'm pretty sure that's where you're gonna end up because just like just gonna be nothing but people with high blood pressure and diabetes in, in outer space. Uh just walking around wearing moo's men and women wearing moo's Uh, speaking of McDonald's, I don't know if y'all heard this story. Um, uh, an, an elderly man brought a, a dead raccoon inside of McDonald's in San Francisco and placed it on a table, uh, closing the location for hours. Uh, the Department of Environmental Health says the McDonald's was temporarily shuttered for five hours to disinfect the dining room. And in a related story... At that McDonald's, uh, the McRib is back. Yes, somehow, McRib is back at that personal McDonald's. So if you're in a, in a if you're in a hankering for uh, something that tastes like a rib with barbecue sauce on it, go over there. 
Here's something I just found out like an hour ago. Uh, Chris Hansen, uh, a.k.a. Chris Handsome, for all the Boondocks fans out there, uh, turned himself into the Stanford Police Department, Connecticut, after a warrant was issued for his arrest on a felony charge of issuing a bad check. In the summer of 2017, Hansen brought about $13,000 worth of promotional items like hats, shirts, and mugs from a local company and paid for them with a check that bounced. So I'm assuming he went to the bank and uh, somebody, you know, and as he was sitting in somebody's office, some dude walked in with a clipboard and said, what are you doing here? You know why you're here? And, and then, of course, he started stammering and yammering and just like, hey, I was just, you know, I just trying to help help some help somebody out, you know, just trying to do what I can. Why? Why am I the one being persecuted here? You know, just, hey, you know, just like what, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just a simple man trying to do what I can. I'm just going to leave right now. I'm going to leave him there, of course. But no, he actually he just went to the uh, to the police station. He didn't have to. You know, the cops weren't there waiting for him. So. So yeah, that's that's strange. Uh, what else? Um, oh yeah, fallout for more fallout from R. Kelly because um, earlier this week, uh, Lady Gaga and uh, Celine Dion, who both did um, uh, duets with Aura, uh, they got uh, their duets taken off of the streaming services. Uh, and also, Chance the Rapper. Yeah, just uh, said, hey, you know, can, <laughs> you know, we don't really want to be associated with R anymore, considering, you know, the 25 years of uh, terrible things he's done to young black girls and women. You, you, I knew, I knew, I, I was gonna be the first to jump and just say, "Hey, you know, hey, hey, listen, I got an Oscar on the way. You know, can we, you know, take that off immediately? I'm not gonna have this dude wreck my chances of winning an Oscar before uh, Amy Adams get one. How many friggin' times they're gonna nominate Amy Adams and they're just gonna be like, nah, now nah, it ain't, ain't happening this year, Chief." Yeah, we we know you're good at, at playing strong yet vulnerable white women, and so, yeah, but you know just yeah, no way. All right, so that's that's happening with that's happening with Ara, who may pull up a Roman Polanski and flee the country. He, he's already pulled several Roman Polanskis, but you know this is gonna be the uh, the of uh, just going somewhere. They, people say he might fl uh, flee to Africa, so that's. That's gonna be interesting to see, to hear about, is whether or not Africa accepts R. Kelly into their whole situation. Just uh, okay. Chris Pratt is um, engaged to Catherine Schwarzenegger, who of course is the the child of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver. And uh, people on Twitter were upset mainly because, because you know, of course, you know, uh, Pratt was married to Anna Ferris, and everybody was concerned. Uh, what about Anna Ferris? Is she gonna be okay? Anna Ferris is on a hit sitcom 
co-starring and Oscar winner. So, yeah, she's she's gonna be okay. You know, good-looking uh, white girl is on TV a lot. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's gonna be a fine thing. You know, Star Lord can go and do his thing, whatever. Just hey, you know, you know, sometimes love dies, and just gotta move along amicably. You know, don't want to make it all ugly, which apparently that's what people on Twitter want to happen. But no, just like, you know, just let's just let's just at least, you know, be be there for the kids or I forget how many freaking kids they got. But, uh, yeah. What else? Oh, yeah. Last week I said the dude like Nick Vallelonga, who um, uh, was uh who said that, uh, what is a friggin' tweet about, uh, Muslims in 2015. I said that, uh, he was, um, the, the character that, that Viggo Morganson played. That was inspired by, and green Book, that, that it was his father. I'm sorry about, that. uh, once again, just trying to, this is what happens when you get news at the last minute and try to squeeze it into a show and just come off with some inaccurate stuff. But yeah, yeah, he wrote the he he co-wrote the movie and then because you you know based on his father and experience and his experiences with Don Shirley and all that all that but apparently of course there was a tweet that came out in two, 2015 about him and about Muslims he said some derogatory things about Muslims and now he's deeply sorry because I still think that's gonna win everything on Oscar night and, and Spike Lee is gonna have to sit there Spike Lee and Barry Jenkins and Ryan Coogler. And and everybody else is gonna have to sit there and go. Are you serious? Are you si- driving Miss Daisy, uh, 2018, one uh, over all of us? We actually made good movies this year, and yeah, yeah never mind. Um, R.I.P. to Carol Channing, the Broadway legend. Hello, Dolly, and all that stuff. Uh, I believe she died uh, uh, recently at the age of 97. Uh, 20 years ago, she divorced her husband of 41 years, saying she only you say him on other things that you know he was abusive and everything, and that she only had sex with him twice in four decades. So wherever she is, I hope that she's just getting the bottom knocked out of her. Just really, you know, having a Good old time. You know, hello, Dolly. Just I only want the best for you, Carol. Just so I want the best. This is uh the most splendid show on KPFT. This is the Sour Hour. Russell, get at me, man. You make the day what you bring To either lose or win So sink or swim Sink or swim So are you going out on a whim Or gonna lose everything You either sink or swim Sink or swim 
said she wishing for trophies and dumb perignon Despite her efforts, she's stressing and can't carry on Told me she don't know what else to do Sometimes you gotta just see it through uh, You got the power in your hands and you gotta stay strong Cause if you loosen your grip then it could be all gone Trust me, I know it, I've been there too so this is what I'm telling you You make the day what you bring To either lose or win So sink or swim Sink or swim So are you going out on a whim Or gonna lose everything You either sink or swim He said that he'd be trying to get a break for ages But the journey's as important as the destination is Gonna stay on track even when the lights go black Only two options forward or back Or depending on where your head's at You can have the riches But still be searching for real wealth Money ain't the answer Cause first we gotta find ourselves It ain't easy to do But it's amazing if you see it through You make the day what you bring To either lose or win So sink or swim So are you going out on a whim Or gonna lose everything You either sink or swim Sink or swim
at sea An endless look to shake my boogie Deposit all in one drop Think nah, excuse me, but uh, I like the flow Cause this joint knock harder than Indicap And I'll be off the wall like the locks Night box filled with Benjamins Me and my girl Missy getting pissy up in Benigans Making all you other rappers begin again Like Finnegan, Christians repent then sin again Girls wanna be my friend again Lay up in my crib with get up in my linens in While Miss Amina hit notes like Serafina I subpoena you to my funk room See, I hit you with the uh, She hit you with the hey. It wasn't your car that had me all in love with you Your hood and I hit him with the heat. I hit him with the heat. I hit him. 
Sour Hour, a.k.a. Everything is Canceled, a.k.a. Oh, now it's the Pow Pow, uh, right here on uh, KPFT HD 2, not 3, 2. I am uh, Craig D. Lindsay, a.k.a. Uncle Crizzle, a.k.a. Black Larry David, a.k.a. Anastasia Beaverhausen, a.k.a. Fat Greasy. And uh, if you want to get at me, uh, you can go, you know, whether it's uh, Twitter or Instagram or whatever. It is uh, at Uncle Crizzle. That's U-N-C-L-E-C-R-I-Z-Z-L-E. If you want to let me know that you're listening to whatever I'm doing right now, uh, hashtag the Sour Hour. Still trying to see if I can get that going. And um, if you want to listen to archive episodes, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all over this place now. Uh, Mixcloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Music. Just, just, just go on your favorite listening app and you'll find me. 
before we get anything, a quick shout out. Um, I, uh, this woman uh, that I met a couple of days ago uh, asked if I if I could uh, shout out this event that's happening on Saturday. Um, this Saturday, January 19th, it is the uh, Houston Women March on March for Justice. Uh, yeah, it's going to start off at um, 8 o'clock. Um, at, uh, where, they, where are they going to be? Yeah, they're going to gather... And uh, the gathering and opening activities at the Buffalo Bu- Buffalo Bayou Park Cistern on uh, 105 Sabrina Street at 8, 8 a.m. And then at 10 a.m. is going to be a march to City Hall and at 1030 a rally at City Hall. So uh, that is uh, the March on Houston Women March on March for Justice this Saturday. If you're into that, yeah, just just letting you know it's out there. Uh, yeah, and, uh, let me, uh, go on with the, the block of, uh, tunes I just, uh, played. Uh, first up was, um, Sink or Swim, which is one, uh, a track that I've been playing a lot these past couple of years. I can't believe I haven't played it on the show so far. Uh, that's from, uh, Craig David, the UK singer Craig David, uh, from his, uh, Following My Intuition album, uh, produced by, uh, none other than Catronada. Yeah, they, uh, they they did a couple of good good tunes together. Uh, Craig David, Kitchener, makes you wish that they you know just did an album together. Craig David and Kitchener. If you know Kitchener, you know he's a really good producer. Um, after that, that uh, has a, that's another favorite track of mine uh, going back years. Um, uh, anger management. Uh, that was a, a track produced by. Uh, Dan the Automator. Uh, Dan the Automator has a long history of producing with a lot of different people. Uh, but he did that album under his um, Handsome Boy Modeling School alias, uh, Nathaniel Merriweather. I don't know if you remember all that Handsome Boy Modeling School stuff he did with Prince Paul. And that was from an album called uh, Lovage. Lovage, music to make love to your old lady too. Uh, and that was him and uh, Mike Patton, formerly from Faith No More, and also uh, Jennifer Charles, who was in there somewhere, who uh, is uh, married to uh, Lance Scott Walker, a good friend of mine. I had him on the show you know, a few months back, uh, an author. And uh, Kid Koala, DJing some stuff. And um, the reason I played that was because uh, Mike Patton was uh, su- supposed to sing the national anthem at a at a at a playoff game at, a, at an NFL playoff game, and that didn't happen. He 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 had an illness or something. But uh, yeah, I thought I'd I'd play that. You know, uh, shout out to Mike. Um, and after that, finally, uh, I had to play, uh, some Missy Elliott, who, uh, was recently the, uh, the first, uh, female hip hop artist inducted in the songwriters hall of fame. Uh, had to, had to hit him with the heat, had to hit him from, from her classic album, super duper, super duper fly with, uh, with, uh, Lil' Kim and, uh, and, uh, Mocha and just, uh, the, that's, that's one of my, uh, favorite, one of my favorite albums of all time. Not, not, not a... There is not an ounce of fat on that album. That's a you know one of the greatest 
debuts by anybody that came out uh, super duper fly and it, it's uh, and i realized they're like 22 what is it, it yes yeah, 22 years old jesus h christ we're all old and gonna die when we just realize how how just things just fly by so quickly all right let's get with my guests uh let's see if let's see if i can just track down um her phone number and because yeah she's he's been he's expecting a phone number for, from phone call from me so let's go here hello hello uh liz how are you how you doing i'm all right how are you all right have you been listening to the show Okay, so yeah, you're on the air now. Uh, this uh, this person who I'm talking to is an old colleague of mine. Uh, a long time ago, I used to write for a, a publication called Philadelphia Weekly, and I believe she edited a lot of my stuff. Did you? Um, guilty as charged. Okay, yeah, I just because yeah, there was like a, a a lot of people that edited my stuff over there through that time, and uh, she you know she was a an editor, managing editor. Uh, she uh, uh, has uh, written a lot of uh, a lot of stuff about uh, mental illness, which I wanted to talk to her about uh, over the years. So basically, uh, Liz Spickle, uh, welcome to the Sour Hour. Oh, thank you for having me here, and I apologize for any over editing that I did. I think at that time when we were working together. I was a bit overzealous with my editing and, and especially film writing. I feel like, cause I was such a film buff in my head. I mean, I, I thought I was. And so sometimes I, w I got a little crazy with the editing, but I, I, I don't remember over, over editing you, but I'm just saying I, I might've had a bit of a heavy hand. I was just about to ask, uh, was there anything you remembered about our relationship or anything? Cause, cause it's, it's, it's funny because because uh, I I started writing there because uh, one of my uh, former editors here in Houston Hobart Roland moved yeah. to Philly and started writing for the and I and I and I just said listen <laughs> you know don't forget me can can I get get and badgered him I think I was in I was in my last year of college and I was telling him you know can I start you know doing some stuff over at Philly Weekly and he let me in there and. I think he moved on or just or whatever. I don't know how it was, but like he moved on and I still kept writing for you guys. You know, it was just amazing how like y'all didn't know who I was, probably didn't know what I looked like. And y'all just continued to accept stuff from me. And then it started to build up to I would write because I, I did like a lot of stuff. I did music. I wrote about music and you I wrote, wrote about film. And I wrote about television. Yeah, guys actually gave me a TV column at one point. And just like I just try because I just always wanted to know just what was it like over from your side, this person that nobody really knew. And y'all just 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 turning in stuff because it actually got to the point where just like I would just turn in stuff randomly and it would just end up in the paper. Well, like, you know, what? it was great because, first of all, you did just sometimes turn stuff in randomly, but you also had, you know, like your copy was always clean and it, it it was funny because we had two 
two like like not from Philly writers, right? Who, was, who were writing about, and it was you and Sean Burns and uh, another amazing writer, uh, film critic, and, yeah. we, and neither of you lived nearby, and we had never seen either of you, and and we just felt like so uh, like this is this is manna from heaven, man. Like these two great writers who turn in such clean copy, funny stuff, stuff that engages the readers. And it just comes to us here in Philly for our local paper, you know, but um, but these guys aren't even here. And then you did come to visit us, though, at one point. And yeah, yeah there were a couple were very low key about it. Like you just kind of walked into the office and was like, hey, what's up? Like like as though we all were going to know exactly who you were, whereas we were like, oh, my gosh, it was like you know, this huge thing that you were there. So really, because there are a couple of times there where I just like. I felt I was just not in my element because I was just because that's that's one that's one reasons why because I just I just walked in because I didn't know what was going to be the response. I didn't know how you guys were just I think there was one time where I just I just showed up and 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 nobody was expecting me and just I just oh, OK, well, just like is I'll, I'll just be over here. And and it just seemed like you guys, you know, y'all were the cool kids. I, I got I got a cool kid vibe. <laughs> From a lot of you, and just, and just, and just, oh, just I don't know what to to do here, and just, oh, yeah. I, I, I think we were probably just socially awkward. Yeah. Um, oh, that that seems more. I mean, it is journalism after all, and yeah, that's sort of the yeah, that's the vibe. I think like that's the overwhelming vibe: social uh, awkwardness, inability to handle you know normal situations like a human being, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember. Oh, this this is one story because I remember. Um, there was there was twelve years ago I was there, and it, you know, it was, I think it was the last time I went to Philly, and um, all of y'all, uh, like there a lot of y'all went to this um, this screening, this uh, this this press publicity screen of Juno. Oh, and, I don't remember that. Oh, okay. I don't. Well, I don't know if you were part of it, but just like I guess not. And uh, like, what? Because there was Sean Burns, and there was another critic there who actually lived there. Matt Prejet. Yeah, and and he also great. Yeah, he's he's a great guy, and I believe he liked it. And and all I think like all y'all were just. I don't know if it was just like uh, this this thing where just like all y'all just uh, saw it and just I don't know if you're feeling it or what. But there was like this 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 uh this divide where Matt had feelings about it and it didn't jibe with what you guys were feeling. And it just felt oh. like this, this, I, I don't even know if, if everybody, you know, I don't even know if Matt knows about this, but just, I just, but it just, it just seemed to me like it was just like this overwhelming, uh, and that, and I think it's where the cool kids vibe came in where like, if you didn't agree with like a lot with what these guys were saying, it just like you were in, uh, like you were out of it or you, you're just made to feel uh, inferior and stuff like that. So just, and it just, and I just didn't know how to respond to that exactly. Cause. Well, that sounds terrible. I, I don't remember. Oh. I don't, I don't think I was a part of that whole thing. I, I, I might, I left for a while. Yeah. Um, and then I came back and so, and then I left again. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I like to think that maybe I wasn't there then. Although I do remember seeing that film 
And but I didn't see it like as part of a press screening. But I remember being very confused by yeah. so so because I saw it myself and I enjoyed it and I thought that I liked it. And then as often happens, because I have like some insecurity sometimes when it comes to my own judgment, mm-hmm. I learned that I was wrong to like it, um, according to uh, a bunch of my friends who had gone to my like very liberal college and who were like, hey, this is, you know, very transparently a pro-life agenda film. And here I was thinking like, Oh, Ellen Page is so cute. You know, it was I, it was one of those moments when I was like, I just can't even trust my own judgment because I don't know what's going on. Clearly, I, I you know. Well, that that's actually the thing I think that Matt went through because I think he had some, some positive feelings on it, and everybody was just like was 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 cracking on him and everything. I'm like one of these people who like if you like it, whatever. I'm like I didn't personally care right. for the movie myself, but it's just like, you know what you know, it's just just what what happens. But it just like it felt. I just yeah, I and that was like one of those things that just like I I it's hard for me to get, get over if you will just like because I've yeah. dealt with that my entire life, just like people uh, make me feel inadequate because I like something that they don't like and stuff and I'm just like like let the let the I just had this feeling like just let the dude like we like or whatever the hell and just like it's just like one of those situations where and actually. Uh, it, if I uh, just if I I don't know if you bring this up, like it just made made me have this this opinion of Philly for so long that I just didn't like oh this this place is is too cool for me apparently so I'll just be in my little enclave in North Carolina where I was living at the time and just oh well, well I apologize for the city of Philadelphia we have we have rehabilitated our image since then and we are. As you can tell from our sports mascots, we are not cool. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well. Well. I mean, it's you know, it, it, as over the years, I have learned to just like let that go, and just there's, you know, I've all you know respected a lot of the. I, I respected a lot of people, especially that wrote it the Philly, especially all through my time, because especially when I started um, writing for it, I just like it. You know, it's it's funny how you say that you you had this this. Uh, stuff from me and Sean and just uh, coming in and writing all this great copy. And it got to a point where Philadelphia Weekly would come to me in, in Houston, here, here in Houston. And it just felt like, like, Jesus, this is like, this is just, and it was back in the bulky days where it's just like, it felt like it was like a real publication. And it, just, <laughs> it would just be like, it would be like you and, and then and Joey Sweeney back when he was we had been and and Valania mm-hmm. and uh, and Solomon Jones and there have been times when I uh, there was a point when I believe Tana Hesey Coates uh, wrote for mm-hmm. a publication and you just had all these great people uh, just writing different things uh, for the for the publication just just and just made you feel like you were part of something and especially with the stuff you did because. Um, when, because you used to have the uh, trouble with Spickle, that's what the, the the column that you used to have in that publication. And in reading you, it was the first instance I, you know, me because I was very, very young at the time, just the first instance of somebody not only reporting on mental illness, but um, weaving in her experiences with mental illness into whatever she wrote. And it was always just this interesting thing uh, reading what you had to say about it. 
Yeah, I mean, that was um, that was not something that I intended to do when I started working for the publication, you know, um, it was, I, I mean, I started working there as a part-time copy editor and I did not think that I was going to end up telling the entire readership of this publication, you know, all about my psychiatric hospitalizations and my medication troubles and my shock treatments and my rehab. And, um, but that is what ended up happening. Um, because the um well there were you know a couple of really good editors there who they wanted me to to write a column um they thought they, they saw something in my voice that they liked and then they said you know so what do you want to write a column about and i said i don't really have anything to write about because i kind of just lost like all of my 20s basically to mental illness where like i wasn't well enough to have a normal life so i don't i don't really have a lot to to say and um their reaction was well you know that's what you have to say like let's let's write about that so um so that's what i ended up doing for years like a decade and you know you did a lot of interesting things that i love i remember reading one column where you talked about was it was kind of hard watching movies well, well, first off, can you tell people what what you are officially diagnosed with? Well, that's an interesting story in and of itself, because for a long time, I mean, I think anybody who gets um, treatment for severe mental illness, um, you, if you've been in a psychiatric hospital more than once, you're going to have more than one diagnosis, right? And, and, and not that it's wrong to have more than one diagnosis, right? Because I did legitimately have um, PTSD and depression. And so it's not, I'm not saying that a multitude of diagnoses is incorrect, but I am saying that psychiatry is an imprecise type field. Um, and so there's a lot that we don't know. So for years, I was like this poster child for bipolar disorder. And um, I would be featured, I remember getting like strange awards, like, you know, one of the top bipolar blogs and whatever. Um, and I was in a film that uh, called Of Two Minds, which is a documentary about bipolar disorder that follows a few people over the course of three years, where you can see my hair change kind of disastrously. Um, and so I've been like representing bipolar disorder for a long time. And only recently, um, I said to my psychiatrist, because, um, you know, he, he talks to me a lot about PTSD, about ADHD. And uh, I no longer take medications for bipolar disorder. I just take medications for ADHD. Uh, so I said to him, you know, given that I've been so well for so long and I haven't um, had any meds for the mood disorder, you know, what's up with that? Like, am I cured of my mood disorder? And that's when he told me after like 15 years of being in the practice together, that he didn't think I had bipolar disorder necessarily, <laughs> which, which was weird. Like that was a big part of my identity. Um, so, but that is what I was diagnosed with for many, many years. Um, what I, what I dealt with was, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I mean, I dealt with a lot of clinical depression and psychosis. Um, and so it, but I, yeah, so, well, I mean, getting back to the stuff you used to write about, which I uh, 
used to read back in the day because I, I like like I was just saying that uh, you did one column about how it was just difficult to watch movies in your condition, and it almost seems like because it always struck me as something very interesting because I used to you know well you know I've watched movies on the regular it's kind of what I do for a living whatever. And it just it get it gets to that point with me sometimes as well. It's just like it's difficult to watch certain things, knowing just. I mean, was how was it for you when it when you would write write about stuff like that? It just was just like what made you decide? Hey, let let me in, drop more about who I am and the things I go to go through, um, knowing. Uh, you know the things that the things that you've had to deal with I, I mean I think so I mean initially it was like well my boss told me that this is the thing that I should do as a column um, and so we you know I, but I mean just the first this was this was like early 90 99 was when the first no 98 99 I'm not sure it was when the first column came out so this is pretty much like pre-internet um, in terms of like, um, you know, everybody having access and blogging. And so to be that self um, sort of disclosing was kind of unusual at the time. And so um, I, I don't know, I guess I was not sure how people would react, but the reaction was so positive And it was from so many people who said, Oh my gosh, I have similar problems. I'm going through, you know, or my or my child does, or my father does, or you know, and um, and nobody talks about this stuff, and it's really taboo. And I'm so glad that you're speaking out about it. So after that reaction, like after the first column, I pretty much decided, okay, you know, I'm going to keep speaking out because this is obviously making a difference to people. And it kind of pissed me off that, like, that it was so stigmatized. And and remain so actually depressingly enough like we we haven't made that much progress really but um, you know it's so important that people do speak out about their experience which we can see every time a celebrity has some kind of a meltdown right it's it's really helpful when Selena Gomez talks about having bipolar disorder rather than just exhaustion quote unquote you know like these are these are things that actually create. Um, progress. So I just felt like I had to keep speaking out about it. And luckily, my life was still a mess. And so um, I just chronicled like the stuff that was going on with me The the movie thing was really heartbreaking, because the movies have always been, I mean, I, I don't, when I sit in a movie theater, and I see like, I don't whatever it is, you know, um, but like, when I was a kid, you know, it would be the lion roaring the MGM lion, you know, or the the spotlights of 20th century Fox, dun, 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 you know, and you hear that. I mean, I would get tears in my eyes. I'd be so happy to be at the movies. Like it was my, it was my happy place. And um, I don't know what happened for, for a while there, I was unable to go to movies because I would, um, it was like, I was having these, these things called absence seizures afterwards. I, I, there was something about the emotionality of the movies that would often just trigger for me, like an inability to to deal afterwards. Um, and I started getting like really uh, seasick all the time, like motion sickness, especially well when I saw Waterworld, that was definitely the worst, but um, for many reasons. But, you know, so there was a time period when I felt like I couldn't go to the movies without sort of endangering my mental health. And that was that was sad and tragic. So. 
Um, so yeah, so it's interesting that you would remember that, but you're a movie guy. So like, you know, that makes sense that you would remember that column. Well, just, you know, I remember, I remember so many things. I mean, I remember you did it. You had, you got to the point where you just had a cover story talking about, uh, you know, the, your issues, uh, and just, uh, it, it got me something you, you were known for. And, and I gotta say just over the years, I've, Especially in dealing with uh, you know you know my my issues with depression, that uh, I found that it got it it would get easier for me to write about it because not only did it, did it help in what I was going through, but I just realized that like since you did it so long ago, it wasn't you know it didn't seem like such an alien thing, and then just and just find that uh just. You know, just just realizing what you did back then. I mean, I don't know if you want to consider yourself kind of like this. Uh, uh, just I don't know, call it a forerunner or just a, uh, you know, just a, one of the chief inspirations for people to get more in touch with their, um, you know, with with mental illness and what uh, what what may, people may be going. But it's just like it just seemed like it it it, it goes down to like if you if you, if you did it, then of course anybody can do it so and and i think it's so you know you've been willing to write about that also i mean i i feel like even now that's the weird thing that i keep on I i don't write about it that much anymore because um I don't know. Nobody really asks me to anymore, you know, every now and then, like when there's a suicide, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wrote something for the Inquirer not long ago about how the media covers suicide and how we need to do a better job and that kind of thing. But like, I don't, I don't write about it a ton, but I still feel like every time I do, people will write. And I don't know if you had this experience after writing about it, but like people will, will write to me and say, wow, you know, thank you for doing that. There's still so much shame around this. Like, I don't understand why I started writing about it 20 years ago or whatever. And, and we're still in the same place with the shame, you know, like, I don't, I don't get that. Like, how come, how come no progress? I mean, some progress, but you know, I guess, guess we all guys just got to deal with shame, our shame or other shame at some point. Just got to keep on pushing on. But um, I got to uh, end this. But, uh, you know, of course, I could talk to you forever. But, you know, I, there's other people doing shows. Uh, so uh, th- thank you very much, uh, Liz, uh, for taking part. Where can people contact you? Where can people find you on the interwebs if you want to let know more about who you are and everything? Uh, you could just go to LizSpickle.com, L-I-Z-S-P-I-K-O-L.com. Uh, you're on the Twitter and the Instagram? Twitter. Twitter is just at, I think it's at L Spickle. Yeah. I'm really inventive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you know, just once again, it's great talking to you and just uh, good luck with everything. You too. Thanks a lot, Craig. All right. Have a good one. You too. And uh, that was Liz Spickle. And uh, coming up next is uh, Fly Squad Radio. And uh, we got K Reno show going on right now on the main station. So, uh, so yeah, uh, until then, this is Craig Lindsay saying, uh, Sarah Huckabee, uh, you, me, and, uh, apparently, uh, a whole lot of McRibs. All right. I'll catch you later. Bye. <laughs>